Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. To become more successful, you don't have to change who you are. You have to become more of who you are. Hello, listeners. That is a quote by our guest today, Sally Hogshead. How often do we think that we need to change or become better at something when really we just have to become more of our essence? A lot of times people have difficulty knowing what that essence is, even knowing if they have any kind of essence that empowers them that actually draws people to them and is actually that thing that makes them so good at what they do. And today we're going to talk about that. That quality is the fascinating quality about you. Today's guest, Sally, skyrocketed to the top of the advertising profession in her early 20s. And by the age of 24, she was the most award-winning advertising copywriter in the U.S., Her campaigns for brands such as Mini Cooper, Nike, Godiva, and Coca-Cola have fascinated millions of consumers. And at the age of 27, she opened her first ad agency, and her work still hangs in the Smithsonian Museum of American History. So drawing upon this remarkable branding legacy, Sally developed the Fascination Advantage, which was the first algorithm to measure personal brands. And she's taking it even further now to measure people. And unlike the traditional personality assessments such as Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finders, Sally's test doesn't measure how you see the world, but how the world sees you. So let that sink in a little bit because it's so important. Sally frequently appears in national media, including NBC's Today Show and the New York Times. She is named as the number one brand guru in the world. And her practical marketing system now lives inside organizations such as IBM, Twitter, and the YMCA, as well as thousands of other small businesses. This science of fascination that she created is based on her decade of research with dozens of Fortune 500 teams, hundreds of small businesses, and over a thousand C-level executives. She's got a book called Fascinate, How to Make Your Brand Impossible to Resist, and it is a New York Times bestseller. And Sally is one of only 172 living members of the Speaker Hall of Fame, And if you don't know what that is, it's the global speaking industry's highest award for professional excellence. I first saw Sally a few years ago, and I was immediately fascinated. And it turns out that that is what she that is what she teaches and and gives. And you will find out during the interview how you can take your own fascinating fascination personality assessment and find out what it is that people see in you. And I would encourage you also to take part in a really cool contest that we we have we are doing with the How to Fascinate team. The Draw Shop and the How to Fascinate team have have teamed up to to put this contest together to encourage you and actually dare you to 
tag somebody who you think is fascinating and also to find out what it is that's fascinating about you. So the contest is dare to fascinate, hashtag dare to fascinate, and we'll have some more guidelines during the interview on how you can participate. And I will tell you there are over $2,000 worth of prizes involved. And I think you're, I think you're going to love, if anything, taking that assessment. And I hope that you see the value too in calling someone out on what makes them fascinating. (laughs) So head on over to our blog. You'll also see this in the show notes and you will see all of the, the rules and the guidelines to joining the contest. And we will pick a winner. Um, you will get your assessment code to be able to take the free assessment. Um, I can tell you now you will be going to howtofascinate.com slash you, Y-O-U, and you will enter T-D-S, short for the draw shop, T-D-S, when it asks for an assessment code. And that's where you will take the 28 questions to find out who, how others perceive you. And again, If you go to our blog post, you will also see some ready-made tweets for you. So the whole contest is taking place on Twitter. You can just copy and paste them and fill in the blank of who you fascinate with. And make sure that you hashtag, hashtag dare to fascinate and tag at Sally Hogshead and tag at the draw shop. And we'll talk about that during the interview. All of this will be in the show notes and in the blog and Listen away. You are going to love Sally. Sally, I'm so excited you're on the show today. (laughs) Oh, Summer, I'm psyched to be able to be here. I first saw you in Denver actually speak. This was maybe two to three years ago. And you were at an event and you did a shot of Jaeger on stage. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually, it was even it was it was kind of worse than that it was like 8 30 a.m yes and um and uh and and i was i was describing how jägermeister is the perfect example of a brand that differentiates itself not by being better but by by sticking a claim on being different and i said to the audience um who's never done a jägermeister shot and somebody tamara who's probably a mutual friend of ours who i hadn't met at the time she raised her hand and so there in the audience she did a she did a Jägermeister shot with us, proving that Jägermeister doesn't win on the basis of taste; it wins on the basis of carving out a toxic experience. Yes, oh my gosh! And I, I think that what we're going to be talking about today is going to go into that deeper, and it's just awesome. It totally changed my perspective and how I thought of advertising and marketing and, and brands. So thank you for that. <laughs> and now cool. I get to yeah. then I then I so met what, you. What's, what's, We'll clink our shot glasses. Exactly, sure exactly. Not a toxic experience today. Yes. Then I got to um, meet you through various different um, groups and networks and events, and I, you were every bit as awesome as I saw you on stage. And I was immediately – It's going back to when you just first walked on the stage, I was immediately fascinated. Little did I know that that was going to be what your whole presentation was about and come to learn that you are just this advertising and marketing genius. I would love for our listeners to hear a bit of your background and how you came to discover why fascination was so important. 
Sure, sure. Well, why don't we talk about it from a from a marketing and advertising perspective? Because that's the perfect parallel to be able to understand what makes you as an individual fascinating is by um, by taking some brands that we're familiar with and understanding what makes them fascinating. When I first started in advertising, I loved working with brands that didn't have the biggest budget because they had to be more scrappy. They, they were almost like the underdog brands. And so they knew that because they didn't have the biggest budget, they had to create awareness and excitement and talk value by doing something that was either going to be outrageous or it was going to be so memorable that they could get in front of people once and make a strong first impression. Um, and the lesson that I learned from that is that for all of us, we have a choice. We can either have the biggest budget or we can be the most fascinating. When I worked with really big clients like um, like BMW and Coca-Cola and Target, they did have the biggest budget. And so um, for, for them, the focus was about how do they have the biggest media buy. But for most of us, we don't have the biggest budget or we're not the most fascinating or we're not already the leading expert or, or leading authority. And so we need to find a way to stand out by being the most fascinating. And uh, when I was 27 years old, I was... I. I had already worked on this, um, uh, th these huge brands, and I decided that I wanted to open up my own agency and uh, in Venice Beach, California. And I opened up in Venice because it was the only place that I could afford real estate <laughs> at the time. At the time, Venice was still very much Venice, and um, you know, it was uh, it was it was gang zone, and we would have conference calls. Could literally hear gang fire out the door, and the client on the conference call. What time they were like, is, "Is someone slamming the door, or is a car backfiring?" <laughs> no, no, never mind that. Um, but the, but the lesson that I really saw was in the choice between: Are you going to have the biggest budget or be the most fascinating? You really have to commit to one or the other. And in this case, I definitely didn't have the biggest budget, and so I focused on the fact that I uh, that the, the agency was located in this gang riddled area that was it was literally dangerous for people to come visit and so the the um, new business mailer that I sent out to prospective clients was um, a, a paper hanger they could put on their rearview mirror when they visited and, and it said please don't slash my tires I'm visiting the agency and <laughs> please don't slash my tires I'm visiting the agency and then on the on the back side it said we can always meet in your neighborhood so what we, what I was saying immediately in sending this out to prospective clients was if what you want are um, expensive, glossy production of ideas, if you want the, the ferns and, and brass and marble washrooms, you're not going to get it here. But you will get courageous ideas that we're going to fight tooth and nail for you. And that was uh, that, that was my my real epiphany that. We can't be all things to all people. We can't be a commodity. Just as just as a, a brand can't be a commodity unless it has this huge budget, it's crucial for us, whether we're a small business or an entrepreneur um, or us as individuals, for us to find ways that we can stand out and make a difference. But in order to in order to identify how we're most likely to stand out, we have to be able to see ourselves through the eyes of others. In other words, we can't just look at how. How, how do we see the world? We have to understand how does the world see us? How does, how does the world see me as being different and impressive and influential compared to other people? And then once you know that, it becomes really easy for you to focus on that and just do more of what you're already doing right. So how does someone go about finding out what is fascinating about themselves? How do, how do they get someone to pay attention to them? Yeah, 
Fascination is an intense focus. And I first began studying the science behind this, but the science behind how do you get other people to, to pay attention, but more importantly, how do you keep their attention so that you can build a relationship? I began studying it in 2006 when I found a sentence in a book that said, fascination is one of the oldest words in written language. It's from ancient Latin. The word is fascinare, and fascinare means to bewitch or hold captive, so your listener is powerless to resist. And when I first saw that, I had just come off of a, a career of creating television commercials and print ads, and I thought, well, you know, instead of asking for attention, what if we could fascinate people so that we were bewitching them, holding them captive? And I began looking at this, deconstructing it as a science, and what I found is that all of us have certain qualities that make us most impressive to other people, most likely to make a positive impression, most likely to be able to show up and, and perform at our best. But the problem is if we don't know how other people see us, then we're gonna start to dumb ourselves down, to water ourselves down, um, to, to become a commodity. So I created an algorithm based on branding, based on focus groups that measure a personality and an individual in the exact same way that a focus group would measure what makes a brand fascinating. So for example, uh, so using some of my clients, what makes Nike fascinating is that it delivers athletic empowerment. That's what focus groups say. That's what makes Nike different than its competitors. Um, what makes Coca-Cola different than Pepsi is that it delivers delightful refreshment. What makes Southwest Airlines different is it delivers friendly practicality. And when you can distill a brand down to its essence to these um, to, to the core words that demonstrate its its most powerful point of differentiation it becomes easy for the brand to build itself ar around that point and I thought well what if we could do that for people what if we could literally assign people um, ways that they're fascinating allow them to focus on that just like Coke does and and Nike does but if individuals could do that so um, for me what differentiates me is fascinating communication. What differentiates other people might be meticulous analysis or ambitious goals or uh, friendly relationships. And, uh, and once you know that, it becomes easy for you to build your marketing copy, but also to build your brand. A lot of people would say, oh, there's nothing fascinating about me. What do you say to that? <laughs> you know what? Um, most people think they're not fascinating. In fact, l let me ask you a question, Summer. Um, would you say that you are a better driver than the average person? Yes. Almost everybody thinks they're a better driver than the average person. <laughs> 80%. And you know, you probably are 80% of people think they're a better driver than the average person. Um, so people wildly overestimate their ability to drive, but they wildly underestimate their ability to fascinate. I found in my research, only 39% of people think they are more fascinating than the average person. In other words, most people think they're not fascinating. And here's the problem with that. If you don't think you're fascinating, you think your message doesn't matter. If you don't think you're fascinating, you're not going to play big. You're not going to make a difference. You're not going to put yourself out there. You're not going to go for the big job interview. You're not going to make the big pitch. You're not going to be completely engaged with your listener and with your audience. And you're going to shrink to the back of the room, either literally or metaphorically. You're going to... You're going to start to play on a smaller playing field. And when, when people play small, they lose and the world loses. And so what I'm committed for 2017 is to show a million people what makes them fascinating 
so they can play bigger, so they can go for bigger results, so they can be more engaged. Nobody needs this more than entrepreneurs and people whose butts are on the line to be able to create huge results, not just for their clients and customers and their teams, but for themselves to to make sure that they're that 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 they make a difference in the world and that the world is different as a result of them being part of it. Absolutely. So how how are you going about making that that impact? When I originally created uh, the fascination advantage, the assessment that measures what makes you fascinating, I thought of it as a business tool. And I thought of it as um, how do you make more money for your clients? How do you get the the job of your dreams? How do you impress the media? And what I've realized over the last couple of years, um, on a, on a personal note, is while that's valid, it 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 doesn't really serve what the world needs right now. There's a there's a conversation that's happening in the world right now that people feel a lot of people feel restricted. A lot of people feel um, um, a lot of self criticism. They feel fear. And they're stopping themselves. And um, I especially see this in women, women and kids, that um, for, for a lot of different factors, people feel like they're judging themselves because other people are judging them. And when, when we've done research with women, one of the things we find is uh, women score themselves very, very low on their ability to um, make a positive first impression and to have an influential conversation. They score far lower than men on on self-reporting how um, how the results of their communication, and that totally bums me out. And it doesn't surprise me. I had a women's studies minor from Duke University, and I went and lived with an African tribe in a goat dung hut, trying to understand why women become empowered or not in a society. And so, about about a year ago, I started seeing. I, I love what my business is doing, but it's it's really not the highest and best value of of what we should be doing with. Um, with these tools. And so um, I, I, over the last year, it's, speaking entrepreneur to entrepreneur, um, I've been focusing on if we can show people who don't feel empowered, if we can show them exactly how they're most likely to add value, and they can simply do more of that and not try to fix themselves, not, not criticize themselves, but just do more of what they're already doing right, then we can start to see a difference, not just in the workplace, but within families. You know, when a woman doesn't feel empowered in a relationship, then she's um, she's not going to be as likely to bring her best to the relationship or um, stand up for herself. When a, when, a, when a girl doesn't feel empowered in her class, she's not going to raise her hand or, or go for those extra studies. Um, as in the business world, so often what, what, we, what we're seeing happening is women are leaving at the mid-level because they feel like they're getting a message that they're, they're not scoring high enough. They, they, they're, there's, they, there's a focus on their weaknesses instead of their strengths. So I'm going to shift that conversation. It's not about your strengths. It's about your differences. What makes you different than other people? It's not about changing who you are. It's about being more of who you are. It's not about figuring out what you need to do to be better than other people. It's about identifying what you're already doing right and then doing it strategically on purpose. That is so beautiful and so, so powerful because everybody is trying to, they're comparing themselves. And like you said, especially women comparing themselves to other women when they feel that they're not good at something and they keep trying to get better, better, better at it. And they're not, then they feel so disempowered. So I think it's so brilliant. And, and people often, you, it's almost like you can't see it because you're doing it every day. You don't realize right. what's so wonderful about you and what yes. other people see you. So I, I'm just so excited that you're that you're doing this, but keep, keep going and tell us more. 
one of the things we learned um, it, at this point, it measured a million people. And I, I'm not a researcher, so I don't look at things through the lens of psychology or science. I look at things through the lens of branding. But I want to be able to find the contradictions. Uh, one, one of the contradictions that we found is that if you say to a woman, we, we, we asked women, we asked a thousand women in a random sample around the United States, if you could be guaranteed that you'd be the most fascinating woman in the room, how much would you be willing to pay? And the answer was women are willing to pay more to be fascinating than they pay for food and clothes combined. Wow. They're willing to, yeah, they're willing, women are willing to pay 15% of their take home revenue after taxes. And so here, here's the implication of that for women. We're relationship oriented. We have a, a um, it, it's crucial for us to feel like we have an authentic voice that we can contribute, that we can be connected and when women feel marginalized or um, disenfranchised, you know, go back in the corner and finish that spreadsheet and let me know when you're done, mm -hmm. then um, then we exit. And so the, as an entrepreneur, the, first of all, the lesson is it's, it's crucial for you to be able to communicate uh, and connect with your clients and customers and your community in a way that um, that allows you to show up every day based on the qualities that that make you uniquely you instead of trying to copy what somebody else is doing. The other lesson is if you're selling something to women, don't just focus on you being fascinating. Help women feel empowered through the use of your product or your service. For example, if you're a financial advisor, make sure that it's not just about you putting numbers in front of a woman. Make sure that that uh, she understands what she can be doing with this to forward her life and her communication and her relationships. Right. How did you, you have a personality test, a fascination personality test. How did you, how did you put this together? What kind of research did that entail to, to put this together and give such incredibly accurate results? I mean, when you take this test, you're like, wow, how did she mm. know? <laughs> well, first of all, let's take a look at what makes you fascinating. So can I use you as an example? Absolutely. When you did the fascination advantage assessment, we learned that you are uh, an orchestrator. That means that you orchestrate big things. You you guide people. You show them what to do. You, it, it's a combination of being highly engaged and emotional and passionate, but also being very constructive and practical with having an outcome. And if, when we look at your business, when we look at the draw shop and the other businesses that you're involved in, it, it's really clear how your role as an orchestrator allows you to bring people together and then get them to focus on a specific result. Yes? Yes. Totally. Now, imagine. It, so if I said, Summer, listen, um, uh, don't get people really emotionally involved. Just kind of uh, send them an Excel document and then um, and then calculate that and come back with a with a number. What would that feel like for you? It's horrible, draining. <laughs> it, would, it would shut you down, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for other people, that would feel like that's their calling. That they for that would be enlivening for them. So. I wanted to measure this. I wanted to understand what are the qualities that allow somebody to show up at their best every single time consistently, whether they're about to give a speech or giving a presentation. And, uh, and so I, I wanted to understand how do we, how do we measure people in the same way that we measure brands? Um, one of my clients, Twitter, Twitter doesn't care how Twitter sees its audience. Twitter cares how the audience sees Twitter. And in the same way, when you write a Twitter bio, 
how do other people perceive those words that you're using, the actual nouns and adjectives that you're using to describe yourself? And so I drew upon my advertising background and, um, and I created an algorithm. And I first published the algorithm in, in 2009. And what I found over the course of measuring this, this group of a million professionals is that when you give somebody three adjectives that describe who they are at their best and how they're most likely to make the, the most positive first impression, then they can just kind of use my, use my words, draw upon that, build upon that, and, uh, and, and create their marketing around it. I love that. So Sally, you have a project right now called You Are Fascinating. And I'd love to hear a bit more about the mission behind this and, and how our listeners can actually participate in that and find out what's fascinating about them. Do we have a place that we can send them to do this? People can find out what makes them fascinating and show other people what makes what, what they see as fascinating about other people by going here. You go to howtofascinate.com forward slash you, Y-O-U, howtofascinate.com forward slash you. And then it's going to ask you for your assessment code. And so this is like the draw shop's free backstage pass. The code is TDS, like the draw shop, no spaces, TDS. And then you answer 28 questions. And the questions are going to be asking you not about yourself, but about how other people see you. And at the end, you get a report that will give you the adjectives that you can use to describe yourself. But here's how I recommend people use it. Take the assessment and think about yourself and think about how does it feel when somebody identifies those qualities within you that are most captivating. And then think about other people in your life. What do you find that's fascinating about other people? And then go find those people, find a photo of them, find, find a photo of anybody from Richard Branson to your grandparents. Post it on Twitter, and the hashtag that they can use to post it is dare to fascinate. So hashtag dare to fascinate, all one word. And what we're starting to see is that people are identifying all different types of people that make them fascinated. And you can pay the assessment forward. You can post it, post the assessment itself on Twitter, post it on Facebook, um, share the links from the Facebook page at the Draw Shop, and uh, and find out within your community, within your your coworkers and your friends, what makes them fascinating. And we'll um, be sure to have the exact link and and the code and everything on the blog post along with this and in the show notes, so you won't miss out on that. So, this is such a fabulous tool. But I have to say, it definitely, it takes some courage to look at yourself that way. Mm-hmm. And so, which is, which is why, you know, it's, it is that we are asking you to dare to fascinate because it's, it's hard to look at ourselves that way. Sadly enough, it's, it takes, it's, people feel guilty or they feel like they're being um, arrogant conceited when they're talking about this way but can you can you help us shift that perspective yes I'll give you an example when I was in the fifth grade um I was driving in a car with my dad um he's a he's a retired orthopedic surgeon and and we were driving on the way to the hospital to do his rounds and we got in a horrible car accident um a tow truck slammed into my door and the car wrapped around a telephone pole and my dad had to pull me out of the car and I was unconscious um for who knows how long and he gave me CPR and I woke up on the operating room table and then was in a coma. And I recovered, my, my brain recovered, 
but it took about a year for me to be able to get uh, the nerves reconnected in my face so that I could have facial expression. And over the course of that time, about uh, for about six months, I, I couldn't smile. And when I tried to smile, it looked like a grimace. It, it was like a contortion. And that, that cut me off from myself because it was like my, my primary mode of communication, which was smiling um, and creating kind of a, that, that back and forth unconscious neurological response that we have with other human beings where we smile and they smile back and then we smile and then suddenly there's a bond there that was taken away. And I found that that was a lot more crippling than anything else that happened from the accident because it, during that time I just became reclusive when I couldn't use the part of myself, when I, when I didn't, when I couldn't access and express the part of myself that was so core fundamentally to who I am and how I relate to other people, it shut me down. And, uh, I, I didn't want to socialize and it was that during that period of time that I, I started as a as a fifth grader to realize when when we're cut off from the parts of ourselves that define who we are at our best, then it, it's it's paralyzing. And I remembered this when I was when I when, later on when I went into advertising and I started watching what happens when a when when a when a brand tries to look and sound like its competitors, the brand dies. Um, when uh, as individuals, this happens to us over and over again, when we have to be able to go into a presentation, if we can't communicate ourselves, if we can't use those qualities that we have, um, it's, it's not just disempowering it, 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 we kill ourselves off. So it takes courage to be able to identify what makes you fascinating. But if you don't do that, then the world is going to suffer because the world doesn't get to be able to have that part of you, but you're cutting off your potential and your success. Um, when, when we, when we measure people, what we find is the greatest way to empower someone is to show them their highest value, how they're most likely to stand out and have a specialty. And that's the, that's the, that's the purpose behind showing people how to, how and why to dare to fascinate. So I noticed this, and, and as you're talking about this, I think we've all been there where we have those feelings inside, that kind of extra boost of confidence, or you're just kind of in the zone, the way that you're interacting with people, and you can feel it the way that people are drawn to you and the way that they're inner, that they're like attracted to you, and, and they're smiling, and things just feel a little bit brighter. And I've noticed as you're talking about this is well, those are those those are those fascinating qualities about me and really being in tune with those allows you to have more of a connection with other people which as you know as an entrepreneur as a as a parent as a as a wife it's in everything that you do connection is so important yeah. And connection, connection between yourself and your work. You, you know what it's like summer, you know, when you're, um, uh, when you're working on a project and you, you don't even notice the time going by and you're having breakthroughs. It's like you're in the zone. It's sort of like when an athlete is performing at their ultimate level. That's that feeling when, when you're in a state of, of, of flow when you're, when you're in a state of fascination, um, when you feel fascinated by your work or when you're fascinated by a conversation that you're having with a friend over lunch or you're fascinated with a TV show, then in, in that time, your brain's operating at its optimal performance. So it's really important for for us as professionals, especially as anybody who's leading a business, for you to be able to come into work and to know how you're most likely to get quickly into that zone. Th those are your wellsprings. For you and I, it's probably 
creative building, creative um, um, brainstorming. What, 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 what would it be for you, Summer? What are those things that when you come into work that for you, it just, it feels like a, a space of joy? It's, it, to me, it's, it's an immediate connection with someone when I first notice something about them, which is, which is interesting with this, you know, dare to fascinate. When there's a saying about treat, treat somebody as if they are the light that you see within them. Treat them as, as if that's all that you can see. And I've noticed, like, yeah. just, you know, in my career of being a human, everybody has light. Even when they think they don't, you can see there's times where you just get into these conversations and all of a sudden it comes out and there's that light within them. So for me, it's about seeing that with other people. And when we talk about being the orchestrator, it's let's bring everybody in all of their, you know, best talents and whatever it is that makes them fascinating and let's all come together. And it just, it lifts the energy. So if, I don't know if that's an exact answer, but yeah. that's that's kind yeah. of that feeling. It's just kind you know... You can immediately change the mood of a room by coming in, for me, and, and recognizing the light in somebody else rather than coming in going, oh my gosh, how do I look right now? What are they going to say? I don't know what to do, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it, when we, we, we did a study of high performers um, inside of companies like um, AT&T and small businesses and GE. And uh, what we found is the high performers have a specialty. There's, there's, there's uh, something that they can contribute that allows them to add extraordinary value. And that when they can get in that mode, just like you're talking about right now, Summer, when they can get in that mode, they feel more confident, but they're perceived as being a higher performer. So that's part of what people, um, when, when people understand what makes them fascinating. In other words, when they take the fascination advantage assessment and get their result, it tells them the qualities that they can be consciously applying when they're um, when they're getting in front of other people and they want to be able to connect. On the other side, when people feel inhibited, then when you get self conscious, uh, when you shut down, other people do. Here's an example: <laughs> somewhere have you ever been in a presentation and suddenly it goes south? You know, like you've got, you can, you can watch somebody's, you watch the chief marketing officer's arms cross or somebody makes a point, you notice a typo in your spelling. Uh, what happens in that moment is that your brain releases a blast of epinephrine. So neurologically, you begin shutting down, your mouth dries up, your body language changes and your listener, whether they realize it or not, unconsciously, they start feeling awkward. They start backing away. They want to disengage. It's not fun talking to somebody when they're in a state of, of insecurity, self-doubt. So the key is, how are you most likely to be confident but in the eyes of others? And once you can do that, that's when you can um, win the pitch or make a message that, that communicates with your audience so they listen and they remember. This is, a, a, this is a, a, a key of this, a key of why you need to dare to fascinate. It doesn't matter if you have the best message if nobody notices or cares. It doesn't matter if you have the best service if nobody uses it. It doesn't matter if you have the best product if nobody buys it. It's your job, it's your job as a communicator to make sure that your listener is hearing, remembering, and taking action on what you're saying. Because being the best isn't enough anymore in a distracted world. Being the best isn't enough if nobody notices or cares. So let's let's kind of take that into our the communities that we build, our audience that we build as entrepreneurs, and 
and also the relationships that we make because we both know those those the relationship with your community and the relationship with your strategic partners or your team members or anybody in in your circle is so critical to to being powerful to having that you know effect that you want to have how how do we take this you know what we learn about ourselves and what's fascinating about ourselves to really strengthen those relationships and our connection and communication with our community? Uh, That's a great question. Here are a few recommendations. First thing is after you take the assessment and you get your report, take a look at the descriptors of how you are most likely to fascinate other people. For you, the descriptors are you're attentive, you're dedicated, and you're efficient. That's what we learned when you did the fascination advantage assessment. You're most likely to add the most value when you, Summer, are being attentive, dedicated, and efficient. So think to yourself, what are times that you've succeeded in the past by being attentive, dedicated, and efficient? What are ways that you could consciously do that? Should you be promising that in your proposals? I'm going to be attentive to your needs. I'm going to be dedicated to your team. I'm going to be creative, but I'm going to be efficient in making sure that that actually gets executed. Um, Then sit down with your team, have everybody do the fascination advantage assessment and come together, do a, do a lunch and learn, do a half day offsite and, and take a look at what are the qualities that each person has so that you can have, uh, you can understand what are the qualities that differentiate each person. So you're not just trying to replicate each other, you're optimizing each other. And then the last step is to be able to share this out to the community. Remember a moment ago, we were saying, The greatest way to empower somebody is to show them what makes them fascinating. So post it on Facebook, but post this, post the draw shop, um, Dare to Fascinate on your Facebook page, invite people to do the assessment and then ask them who do they find fascinating so that they can pay it forward, that they can um, find out about themselves and also about their own community. This is, this is so fabulous, and there's so many takeaways here, and I think it's, it's an excellent tool, especially when learning about your team that you're working with, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to really understand, you might think that you know, but to have them take the, the personality test, it's, it's incredible. But Sally, before, before we sign off, I would love to know, who is a person that you are fascinated by? I am fascinated by a man named Joe Polish. Summer, I, I happen to know that you know Joe Polish too, right? Yes, very well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in fact, um, Joe Polish runs a, a, a mastermind group named the Genius Network that, um, that you and I are both part of. And the reason why Joe fascinates me is because he has this insatiable ability to build connections with people, not just between him and the person like Tony Robbins or Richard Branson, but he has the ability to create connections among people. That's not something that naturally comes to me as, uh, as an advantage. So I can stand back and watch Joe do this and, uh, and, and create scenarios in which people show up up and totally fully self-express themselves and create these meaningful connections that um, that seem to uh, materialize out of thin air. I really admire that. Joe's advantages from the fascination advantage assessment um, are prestige, meaning he easily earns respect, and innovation, meaning he changes the game with creativity. So Joe's advantages are that he's original, enterprising, and forward-thinking. That's, that, that's an awesome combination for somebody in that role. 
I also noticed that Joe surrounds himself with people who are not just focused on creativity, people who are great at execution and implementation. So, um, so he's one of my, one of my favorite people that not just fascinates me personally, but also in my work. And I would just add on to that is that he knows this about himself, which is a really, really good thing. Yes, exactly. He dares to fascinate. That's right. So Sally, this has been so wonderful and definitely fascinating. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm so excited to see those tweets come in to hear who our listeners think is fascinating. And remember, dare to fascinate. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Summer. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.